Welcome to Do-It-Yourself Babies and Parenting, helping you navigate the parenting journey. Remember, you're not alone, trust yourself, and good enough is good enough. Welcome to today's episode of Do-It-Yourself Babies and Parenting. Today we're going to cover a few little bits and bobs, but the overall theme is about good enough parenting over perfect parenting. I want to talk first about perfect parenting then share a concept called circle of security, then touch on emotion coaching, and we'll finish up with some advice on body safety. So let's start with perfect parenting. For me, after I had my first child, I definitely fell into the trap of trying to be what was in my head, the perfect parent. Someone who got everything right, from feeding, sleep, developmental milestones, etc., In this day and age with social media, there is a lot of good resources and support, but this also seems to lead to a lot of comparison. And as someone who is a recovering overachiever, trying to be the perfect parent led me to burn out and quite quickly, especially because I quickly learned that there are too many things that are out of your control when it comes to your child. For example, sleep. My son didn't seem to sleep through the night, and despite the sleep guides and advice I got from the maternal child health nurse, friends, and looking online, he didn't take to those methods and suggestions, and it left me feeling exhausted, confused, and I questioned my success and ability to be a good parent. Now, if you listen to the episode recently that I had on postpartum depression and anxiety, you'll know that this goal of perfect parenting was a key issue for me initially. And one of the key lessons I learned after seeking professional help is a concept called good enough parenting. To understand this, I want to introduce you to a concept called the circle of security. If you go to YouTube and you search for circle of security animation, it gives you a very short and concise explanation and diagram. The circle of security is a visual map of attachment. It's all about how we as caregivers can help our children meet their attachment needs to promote secure attachment. Secure attachment sets a foundation for social competence and effective emotional and stress regulation. AKA, if you can provide your child with sufficient security, they're likely to be fine later in life. This circle of security visual shows a circle. At the start, you have a child who wants to go out and explore, and we are the secure base to let them explore. We watch over them, help them, delight in them, and enjoy this. And then they'll go around the circle and want to come back to us, whether it's for protection, comfort, or to help them organize their feelings. And we need to be the safe haven for them to do so. There's also a book written on this and it's backed by a lot of research, but overall the concept is very simple. Tend to your child's needs to go out and explore and welcome them back in. What is really significant is not only is it such a simple and natural concept, but so long as you do it enough of the time, aka good enough parenting, then that's enough. You don't need to and it's, it's impossible to do it all of the time anyway. So for example, let's say you take your child to the playground. They may want to go out and play on the slide. 
if we say yes go for it and we watch them or we help them if they ask you'll then find that they will subsequently call out to you they might be like hey mom look at me or they might fall over and they want you to comfort them you may notice some parents who might be on their phone and distracted or some who say don't 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 do this don't do that don't go over there and all these things are not fulfilling that secure base and safe haven role that we play But layer over this the fact that we can't always be there for them. And yes, you know, sometimes we'll be distracted or have a bad day, but that's okay because this concept recognizes it's not possible to be empathic, available, and immediately responsive all the time because that's perfect parenting. After I learned this, I honestly felt a weight taken off of my shoulders. It's funny how the more you relax and stop trying so hard, the better things get. And after reading more on this and practicing it, aka just relaxing and going with the flow, doing what works and not trying to conform to a should or a mold, life was much happier and my son was easier to take care of too. Now, some of you listening might not even realize you're trying to be a perfect parent, but if you find yourself constantly in circles trying to fix this or that with your child, maybe consider practicing good enough parenting. You deserve to you know, have a bit of relaxation time. Okay, so let's move on to emotion coaching. This is more relevant for those with toddlers. I found once my son hit toddler age, the challenge definitely shifted. And I think being a parent brings out unresolved issues and you may act the way your parents did when you were young without meaning to or realizing it. Now, if those behaviors and approaches are helpful, that's fine. But for me, I could see times where I struggled. I would struggle to deal with my own emotions like anger, frustration, impatience, as well as my son's, especially when things were heated, like if he was throwing a tantrum or being naughty. And that's when I learned about emotion coaching. It started with following Big Little Feelings, which is an awesome mother duo who have great tips on Instagram. And then I actually found a free course offered in Victoria about positive parenting. Now, if you live in Victoria and you're interested, please check that out. Through this, I got to start practicing emotion coaching. Now, emotion coaching has come from a variety of scientific studies by Dr. John Gottman. And it's about being aware of our children's emotion, recognizing it as a great opportunity for teaching listening with empathy and validating their feelings, but setting those limits when needed. So if, for example, my son and daughter were playing and he started to get annoyed at her because she was taking his toys. So let's just say he starts to hit her. Rather than just crack it at him, emotion coaching could involve saying, I see you're angry at your sister because she's taking away your toys. That's okay, Um, but I won't let you hurt her. So I'm going to move her away. Or another example, say it's dinner time and you want to turn the TV off to eat, but your child starts to crack it. You could say, you seem to be upset because I turned the TV off. It's okay to want to watch TV, but now it's dinner, so we're going to eat. So the purpose is to try and calmly, where possible, (laughs) label the emotion, validate it, but then put boundaries around it if you need. And I love this because it teaches children that all emotions are okay to express, Bottling up negative ones and only showing positive emotions isn't actually healthy because we then don't learn how to actually deal with negative emotions. I mean, I know for me, I'm only just now learning how to deal with my negative emotions. And that's not to say my parents did a poor job, but I think now with more research, there's so much more support and good concepts that we can follow. 
So I think this is a really great tool to have in your parenting toolkit. For me, I find it helps settle my son more. I don't have to do it all the time, only enough of the time. And I feel more confident that I'm helping teach my children that it's okay to experience the spectrum of emotions. And now a last point on body safety. Something I've learned is that sexual abuse is actually very common and it's usually perpetrated by someone that you know or the child knows rather than a stranger. Whilst we can't protect our children from everything, we can arm them and ourselves with the right knowledge and be there for them if they need to come to us. Things that can help to educate, using the correct names for body parts like penis, vagina, vulva, bottom is really important. If they had to testify in court, God forbid, there would be no ambiguity. Don't force your child to hug yourself or others like grandparents. Try and give them the option and ask your parents to show that respect too. Use books or videos which help explain body safety concepts. There's plenty tailored for all ages and it all helps to reinforce the message that it's their body and what they say goes. And if, hopefully not, they were to be sexually abused, Believe them, support them and take action. There's a lot of shame surrounding sexual abuse. What is not shameful is if it happens to your child, but what would be shameful is if you didn't do anything about it. So that's it. I really hope some or all of these concepts will help you. Thank you for listening.